everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Christian Heim podcast, where we're living for preventative mental health, love, and compassion. I'm so glad that you've joined us again. I'm Caroline Heim, and this is podcast nine in a series of 11 podcasts entitled Overcome Negative Thoughts, Overcome Useless Thoughts. This series is for everyone wanting to improve their thought life to make their mind a much better place. And today's podcast is New Thoughts Need New Brain Pathways. Please subscribe, spread the word, and recommend these to others. The more, the merrier. And do catch us on Late Night Lies every Thursday nights. At all times, aim to keep your thoughts useful and share your affection with others. And here's Dr. Christian Heim. Yes, hello. New thoughts do need new brain pathways. And the science of growing new brain pathways is called neuroplasticity. Like mindfulness, Neuroplasticity is a principle rather than a therapy. It involves developing skills, learning and practice. This is important. Now, people listen to podcasts and read material for knowledge, but knowledge is not enough. Like reading a cookbook, this won't satisfy your hunger. You have to learn to cook and do it. Like playing the violin, reading a book about how to play a violin is not enough. You need to learn it and to practice it. Also like mindfulness, neuroplasticity has spawned many books. There are many experts and many enthusiasts, but there are no neuroplasticity calendars or coloring in books, thank goodness. It has, however, given rise to many seminars and scientific videos with amazing graphics. I use it daily in my clinical practice, and I was fortunate enough to do a two-day workshop with a neuroplasticity guru scientist, Norman Doidge, back in the days when people could travel to different countries. Here, I will use it specifically to help transform your useless thoughts into your useful thoughts with new brain pathways. So, an overview of today. Firstly, a very brief overview of neuroplasticity. Secondly, we'll discuss its principles. And thirdly, we will give you a method and skills that you will need to overcome useful thoughts. Whoops, overcome useless thoughts. So what is neuroplasticity, huh? Neuro means of the brain, and plasticity means ability to change. So neuroplasticity is the brain's ability to change, to grow, to develop, and even to heal itself. Neuroplasticity happens whenever we learn a new language, a new skill, or grow in any way every day. Recently, however, it's been discovered that neuroplasticity can work in very powerful days. For example, there are scientifically validated examples of people with Parkinson's disease learning to walk normally again, stroke with victims being able to talk again, and even a blind person being able to see again. Yes, get your head around that one. These outcomes are achieved through neuroplastic rewiring with lots of learning and lots of practice. We have a lot of talk about rewiring the brain these days. That's all got to do with uh, neuroplasticity, which was brought into recent prominence by psychiatrist Eric Kandel. Neuroplasticity has been something of a mini revolution. In 2000, psychiatrist Eric Kandel won the Nobel Prize for Medicine by showing how learning leads to measurable chemical changes in the brain. He did this with the help of a slug. 
Eric Kandel taught the slug to fear something, then not to fear something, and he showed that both of these learnings led to chemical changes in the slug's brain. If it happens in a slug's brain, it happens in our brain, and he scientifically established that learning physically changes the brain. Bingo, Nobel Prize. Our brain imaging techniques, particularly MRIs, have shown us how brain areas grow when we learn and practice. London cab drivers have an enlarged area of the brain called the hippocampus, which is for their increased memory, which is needed to negotiate London streets. Professional violinists have an enlarged bundle of nerves to coordinate the left and the right brains, the corpus callosum. And stroke victims who recover speech show brain changes in areas taking over from damaged brain sections. This is all wonderful. And I've got to admit, up until now in this podcast, I've been sounding like a bit of a salesman, like I'm selling you neuroplasticity. I don't have to. It's all science. So I'm just going to chill a little bit more as I get into the principles of neuroplasticity, because from here on in, we get into the nitty gritty of what you will need to actually change your brain so that you actually can overcome useless thoughts. So here are the five major principles of neuroplasticity which you will need to help overcome useless thoughts and transform them into useful thoughts. Number one, learning and practice. Number two, rewards. Number three, use it or lose it. Number four, what fires together, wires together. And number five, neurons out of sync fail to link. Now, I notice my approach is very formal in this one. That's because there's a lot of technical information to get through. But as we go through these major principles, they're just principles. You, you, you will understand them quite easily enough. Later on, however, there'll be some technical issues that I'll need you to listen to pretty closely. But let's just go through number one, learning and practice. Learning and practice changes your brain. Chemical changes in the synapses between neurons, this is the subtlest change, or it can lead to an increase in dendrite growth. Now, dendrites are the tentacles that grow from one neuron to the next so that they can touch each other and talk. And each neuron may have thousands of dendrites. Or there's growing new neurons in the first place. They're brain cells. They're the actual units that do the work up in the brain. Okay, So they actually grow. We can actually get new ones. And this is called neurogenesis. And all of this increases, increases, increases the size of any part of your brain. Now, this is logical because you already know that anything that you learn and practice makes you better at it, but it does make you better at it by creating new brain pathways. That's what we now know, but it takes that effort of learning and practicing. This is the miracle of people with Parkinson's disease who learn to walk properly again. They have brain pathways to make sure that that happens. And some people that were blind are able to see again. It's learning and practice and creating brain pathways that weren't there before. So here's the principle. If you allow your old useless thoughts to play over and over and over again, it reinforces them. You're practicing the wrong thoughts and you're reinforcing brain pathways that you don't want. To change, we need to focus on new useful thoughts and learn and practice them over and over. 
The bad news is the effort that's required, okay? This is the catch. Often we look for a quick fix, a pill, or a piece of information, but we need effort. Effort, effort, effort. And to keep us motivated to put in the effort, let's get to the rewards. Number two, principle number two is rewards. Rewards keep you motivated. They keep you feeling good about progressing. If you enjoy something, you will do it more. Effort will always be required because our brains have a tendency to be naturally lazy, right? The brain likes pleasure and it hates pain. Pain is a punishment, pleasure is a reward, and the brain uses pleasure and pain to learn. To encourage a behavior, reward it. To discourage a behavior, punish it or find disincentives. Money rewards work, prison punishes crime, trophies reward winning, feeling bad is a disincentive to losing. Our brains work with punishment and rewards. So the idea is to feel good about the practice and the work that you're putting in to neuroplasticity. Number three. Number three is use it or lose it. Now this too is just logic. If you used to be a good tennis player, but you haven't picked up a racket for years, you'll just be a little bit rusty when you start. If you have a second language, but you haven't spoken it for years, you will have forgotten a few words. Same for playing a musical instrument, cooking, juggling, or playing chess. It'll all come back. Use it or lose it. To keep up the skills, you'll have to keep up the effort. All right. To explain to you just how important this is, I'm going to explain the results of an important study. Thank you, Christian Montag. A group of very heavy internet users measure part of their brain, their anterior cingulate gyrus. This is involved in empathy. Because these people had their heads glued to their screens, this group of very heavy internet users had less interactions with other people, less talking with other people, less reading social cues, less eye contact, less touching other people, and less reading facial expressions. The result, as we saw, was that their anterior cingulate gyrus, the part of their brain concerned with empathy, was shrinking. They weren't using it, so they were losing it. If you interact with screen technologies, it means that you don't have that much empathy in your life. Now, the social implications of this are actually quite enormous. But here, I just wanted to illustrate, use it or lose it. Number four, what fires together wires together. This is a famous phrase in neuroplasticity. When associations are made in the brain, they stick. Okay, so here are some associations that you might already be interested in. Coffee and relaxing. Ah, a certain smile and the person you love. The World Trade Center and terrorism. Now you see in each of these, there are two separate brain pathways for two separate ideas, but they occur together. So they end up wiring together. So our aim in this will be to wire together things like thinking useful thoughts and feeling good, practicing and enjoying the process, thinking a useless thought and going, oh, I must practice on that one. So the process of making brain associations 
of making two different ideas fire together and wire together. They're used in neuroplasticity to change your brain towards what you want, and that's more useful thoughts. Last one, number five. Neurons out of sync fail to link. Well, this is actually the same as number four, just the flip side. What doesn't fire together doesn't wire together. So if there's no association, the neurons will fail to link. Okay, so let's say if a horror movie triggers your fear thoughts, watch a comedy instead. If a certain person gets you into trouble, hang out with somebody else. If reading the news makes you fearful or angry, look at something else. So the idea is if you get an idea and not associate it with something that you know is bad for you, you can uncouple the association. You can let neurons out of sync fail to link. So they're the five principles, learning and practice, using rewards, what fires together, wires together, use it or lose it, and neurons out of sync fail to link. And I think I just switched two around there. So you use these to transform useless thoughts into useful thoughts. Every school needs a method. So let's get to the method. This is the complex part of the podcast. Here's the thing. There's no manual on how to do neuroplasticity. All of our brains do it automatically all the time. But for everything that you learn and practice, everything that's complex, like playing a musical instrument, learning a new language, you need a method and time and effort. So the method I'm going to devise for you to develop new brain pathways for more useful thoughts involves four steps. Let's go through them. Number one, knowing your useless thoughts. Number two, using the knack. We've heard that one before. Number three, learning to develop new useful thoughts and working step by step towards them. And number four, practicing methodically. Okay, let's go through them one by one. Number one is easy, knowing your old useless thoughts. Well, you already know that, and you've already written them down because you've learned core skill number two, work with your thoughts, write it down. So you will already have a list of your useless thoughts in your journal. And that's just a little reminder that if you don't have a journal or if you haven't written down your useless thoughts, you're going to have to do it because you need to know where you are before you can start to move to where you want to be. You need to know what the problem is but you're not the problem. All right, that was easy enough. Number two, the knack. Yeah, well, this is course skill number one. The knack, notice to be aware so that you can choose to concentrate on thoughts that you want. You will need to use this most every time of the day in your brain as the need arises. Simple, you've got that one under your belt already. Number three, this is the involved one. Learning to develop new useful thoughts and the steps to get there. Here we go. Overcoming useless thoughts requires knowing the kinds of thoughts you would like to have. Now, useful thoughts are realistic and complex. Let's take something like, I'm just a no good loser. Now that's a useless thought. And people tend to think that, okay, so a good thought is, I'm such a great person. Well, an actually useful thought is more realistic and more complex than that. It's something like this. I may not win all the time, but I'm doing fine and it's okay being me. Let's take another example. Useless thought, I'm bad at public speaking. 
simplistic thought, I'm the greatest public speaker ever. Yeah, let's go to something realistic and complex. Public speaking used to be a problem for me, but now I'm okay with it. That's a really useful thought. One more example, useless thought, why doesn't anybody like me? Simplistic thought, I'm a popular, well-liked person, rah, rah. Yeah, no, let's go for something a bit more realistic and a bit more complex. I'm accepted by my good friends and that makes me feel good. That is a useful thought. Reaching these new useless thoughts is not just a matter of memorizing some rah-rah thoughts and saying them over and over again. This unfortunately happens with what people call affirmations, but as the science shows us, affirmations don't work unless you already believe them. So in other words, when you don't need an affirmation, that's when they will work for you, all right? To get there, to believe a new thought that you want, here is the method. It's like building a road, and there are going to be four steps to build a road to get to the thought that you want. Here are the steps. Number one, use qualifiers. Number two, use conditional phrases. Number three, use thought chains. And number four, use associated thoughts. Okay, we'll go through those one by one. This gets a bit technical. Uh, I, you will need to write them down to work with your thoughts. Write it down because we have to believe the new thoughts step by step, like building a road to get to a place that we want to go to step by step. A couple of examples. Uh, you can't learn to play a Beethoven sonata in a day. It takes time and it takes many smaller steps. Learning and practicing scales, arpeggios, reading music, learning easier pieces first along the way. And after about five or 10 years, you may be able to play a Beethoven sonata. You can't learn a new language in a day. It also takes time and it takes many smaller steps. It takes learning and practice. First a basic vocabulary, then an intermediate vocabulary, then an advanced vocabulary, then basic grammar and more advanced grammar, then spoken idioms and all the time you've got written in your journal all these new words so that you're building up a vocabulary and you're understanding more gra grammar. But there's a method to it all the time. Same with tennis. You can't become a tennis ace in a day. It takes many smaller steps. You've got to learn and practice serving and shots, and you've got to keep yourself fit and healthy and understand some of the strategies of the game along the way. And somewhere along the line, you'll get to the stage where you can call yourself a good tennis player. So to have useful thoughts, the four steps. Step number one, using qualifiers. Now a qualifier is a word that kind of waters down a useless thought. So we're gonna take a useless thought like, I'm a no good loser. That's gonna be our first example. And we get all the thoughts, write them down as words, and then we work with the words. Now qualifiers are words like perhaps, maybe, seldom, sometimes, often, possibly, probably, or most likely and they water down useless thoughts. So they become a little less useless. So a thought like I'm a no good loser becomes, yeah, well, I'm a no good loser sometimes, maybe, but not always. Or let's say I'm afraid of speaking in public. Uh, yeah, using qualifiers, often I'm afraid of speaking in public and sometimes I'm very afraid. 
All right. Let's take another thought. Nobody likes me. With qualifiers, it becomes, yeah, well, perhaps people don't like me sometimes. And what this does is it loosens up your useless thought a little bit. It changes it just a little bit, just a step in a more useful direction. And this is much better than berating yourself or cursing yourself or coming up with something that you don't believe. So that's how we're going to use qualifiers. Remember those words, perhaps, maybe, seldom, sometimes, often, possibly, probably, and most likely. They're the qualifiers that will water down your useless thoughts so that they're not that bad. Okay? Same sort of thing in step number two, but step number two is conditional phrases. The conditional phrases are used to water down useless thoughts even more. And what they do is that they make a useless thought dependent on something else. Something like a time frame. Okay, so here are some conditional phrases. At the moment, if I work on this, the day will come when, in the future, or with practice. So with conditional phrases, useless thoughts get a little bit closer to be something more useful. So let's go to something like, I'm a no good loser. Here we go. I may think I'm a no good loser at the moment, but the day will come when my attitude may change. Now, remember you've got to write all that out and you've got to work with your useless thoughts with qualifiers and here conditional phrases so that it loosens them up a bit. Let's go to the next one. I'm afraid of speaking in public. Uh, okay, at the moment I'm afraid of public speaking, but if I work on it in the future, I could even be good at it. That's better. And it gives you a plan. Next one. Nobody likes me. Okay. Let's add some conditional phrases. At the moment, I feel like people don't like me, but if I work at it, perhaps this will change. And again, conditional phrases loosen the hold a useless thought has on you. But it takes practice, it takes practice, because this does not pop into your head, because the brain pathway is not there yet. But qualifiers and conditional phrases water down statements like water waters down whiskey or medicine and you can get it down without the sharp bite. And this will help you develop a thought that you can believe, all right? You'll go in the right direction. So I'll just remind you of those conditional phrases at the moment. If I work on this, the day will come when, in the future, or with practice. Now, I, I know that you're busy writing this down somewhere, or you're going to go back over this at some stage so that you can get down those qualifiers and those conditional phrases. Okay. Now, the thing is that the more qualifiers that you use and the more conditional phrases you add, the more watered down a thought becomes. So again, let's go from I'm a no good loser. Yeah, perhaps I think I'm a no good loser at the moment, but maybe with time, my attitude may change. I'm afraid of speaking of public. Yeah, perhaps at the moment I'm afraid of speaking in public, but if I work on it in the future, maybe I could even be good at that. People don't like me. Well, at the moment, perhaps I feel that people don't like me, but often with work, things can change. Maybe. You get the picture. This will lead us into step number three, which is thought chains. Now, strangely enough, thought chains are change of thoughts. What I mean by that is you've written down your thoughts, you've written down all these things that we're moving with qualifiers and uh, conditional phrases, 
And what we do is we link these thoughts that are close in meaning, but they're separated by qualifiers and conditional phrases. And it may be two or it may be many thoughts. So again, I'm going to go for an example. Here's the thought chain. And you will hear two things. Firstly, that I put in qualifiers and conditional phrases. And at some stage, I flip it from the negative to the positive. And we're going to go with, I'm a no good loser. I'm a no good loser. Maybe I'm a no good loser. Maybe at the moment, I'm a no good loser. Perhaps I can be a winner if I work at it. I become a winner when I work at it. Sometimes I am a winner. Now, there's a chain of six thoughts going from I'm a no good loser to sometimes I'm a winner. And it's got all these steps in between. So the idea is that you work with the first one. The first one is maybe I'm a no good loser. And you work with that for a while, maybe a couple of days, maybe a couple of weeks. And then you go to maybe at the moment I'm a loser. And again, you work on it just for a couple of days, maybe a couple of weeks. Then the big one, the flip, perhaps I can be a winner if I work at it. All the while, your brain is actually believing it. It goes, yeah, of course, perhaps I could be a winner. Because as long as we take out that definiteness of 100%, things can be better. Then it's easy to get to, I am a winner when I work at it. And sometimes I'm actually a winner. All right, that's a complex mouthful. I know that and I hope that you're still with me because we've got more work to do. While you work with your thought chains, use the knack. Notice to be aware and choose to concentrate on new thoughts as often as you can during the day. Your brain will ponder the thought and even while you sleep, you will find evidence to support it. That's actually neurogenesis, okay? Over time, your brain will build a new brain pathway for the new thought because you are using that pathway over and over. At, at, thought, at first, it's like it's a small little dirt track, but then you're going to pave it over because it gets used a lot till it becomes a super highway. And that's learning and practice, making a small pathway large. Okay, this takes time, gently pondering your thoughts, not trying to work too hard to believe them, but letting your brain do the work, letting your brain ponder and find evidence for any idea. That's neuroplasticity. That's the magic. This is where your brain searches its memory banks, looks for related ideas, considers your emotions, and it starts to build that pathway. Now, the physical brain pathway is made up of electrical impulses, chemical messengers, new tentacles, and this incorporates the new thought. Building these connections take time and practice, but you then experience that the new thought will start to come to you a bit more automatically, just like practicing the piano, just like navigating the streets of London, just like learning to talk again after having a stroke the magic actually happens. Let me go to technique number four, associated thoughts. Now, strangely enough, associated thoughts are thoughts that are associated with the thought that you're working on. Okay, I know that that's obvious. They're different from the thought, yet they enrich your original thought. They open up a new brain pathway, an associated brain pathway that helps to reinforce the pathway that you're building. All right, so... As an example, I will use this thought. I can speak in public. Now, here are the associated thoughts. 
You know, I do feel better when I'm able to speak my mind. Or, this is not as difficult as I first thought. Or, I find that people praise me just for trying to speak in public. But, associated thoughts may also include things like, yeah, well, I tried this yesterday and I failed. Uh, I'll never be good at, at public speaking. I may as well give up now. You are going to have those thoughts. But here's where the knack comes in. You notice that you are aware of these thoughts and you choose to concentrate on the thoughts that you want. Having a thought like I tried yesterday and failed, you go, good, okay, I understand that, but I'm just going to leave that. I am not going to concentrate on that. I'm going to concentrate on a thought that says people praise me just for trying to speak in public. Because when you concentrate on that, you sort of go, praise from people feels good. I feel better about myself, even when I try. Maybe I don't actually need to succeed. Maybe I just need to try. Some people started talking to me that wouldn't have before. That feels good too. They are, they are all useful brain pathways to be opening. Now, I know it's a lot of work, but this is the way that you build your new road, the new corrections, uh, connections in your brain to get the kind of useful thoughts that you want. Learning, practice, time, effort. Just as basketballs, uh, basketball players, violinists, London cab drivers, pianists, and people who have had strokes who want to speak again, they all put in determined effort and work so that they can do what they want to do. So as a recap, here are the four techniques that you will need to build a road to the thoughts that you want. Use qualifiers is number one. Use conditional phrases is number two. Build thought chains using qualifiers and conditional phrases is number three. Ponder associated thoughts is number four. All right. So we've just gone through uh, knowing your useless thoughts. You know that. We've gone through using the knack, you know that. We've just spent that whole big long section going through learning to develop new useful thoughts and finding the steps to get there. We've only got one more thing to do, and that is to practice methodically. Practicing methodically takes planning, dedicated practice time, practice during idle thinking time, and finally, some rewards. If you're going to do this work, you're going to have to plan for it. You'll need to find time every day to practice, about 10 to 30 minutes, five days out of seven, and to be able to sustain this for weeks or preferably months. You will transform your thought life if you are able to do this. Musicians get better by practicing every day. Basketball players improve by practicing their skills and keeping themselves fit. So you will need a dedicated practice time. Some time during the day, particularly to write it down, work with your thoughts, to develop new thoughts and the steps to get there. Yep, and those four things, using qualifiers, conditional phrases, thought chains, and pondering associated thoughts. During your dedicated time, whether it's in the morning, noon, or night, spend time at a desk with your journal, your computer, whatever it needs to Write it down to work with your thoughts and to use the knack. You work a little bit like you're studying for an exam. You're preparing for yourself the thoughts that you want to think for the rest of the day or for the next day. 
to think during your idle time. And that's the other thing you need to do. Think during your idle time. Idle time is any time that you're not concentrating on doing something, okay? From the moment that you wake up to the minute you get to sleep, we've actually got a lot of idle time and that creates a lot of chatter in our head. Here's what most people do with their idle time, including me and I suspect including you. Some people go through shopping lists, conversations, problems, movies, sports, deciding what outfits they want to wear, go through sexual fantasies, look at their wishes or childhood memories, think about food, think about recipes, whatever. Worse, however, is sometimes you will actually practice the very thoughts that you want to get rid of, your automatic negative thoughts, right? Instead, you can use your idle time to use the knack in your head. Notice to be aware of your thoughts so you can choose to concentrate on things that you want. Go over the things that you're working on in your dedicated practice time. You can do this while you jog, while you walk, while you drive, while you wait, while you garden, while you clean, or anything. Why do all of this? Okay, time for a story. The power of practicing in your idle time over and over is illustrated by this story. And as far as I know, it's a true story. In a book, I'll give you the reference somewhere. This happened during World War II. A story of a soldier who was captured and thrown into solitary confinement. To keep himself sane, he arrived at a stunning idea. Because his situation was pretty bad, okay? He didn't know if he was going to survive. So what he decided to do was every day in his mind, he would play a round of golf. Now, he wouldn't just go through it quickly. It would take him about six hours to play his round of golf as if he was really playing. He imagined every shot, every hole, every sand trap, every sound, every tree, everything he could, the way he gripped the club, what club he chose, what condition the ball was in, everything. If he couldn't remember something about the golf course that he used to play at, he imagined it. He imagined it down to single blades of grass as he leant over to place his imaginary golf ball on an imaginary tee. And he did this daily while he was in solitary confinement as a prisoner of war for months. Now, fortunately, he stayed sane and he survived the war and eventually he got back to playing golf. And here's the amazing thing. On his very first game back, he played unbelievably well. It's as if he had been practicing for months, which of course he was. You can do this too. That's why I want you to be there with your thoughts. All right. Home stretch, last thing you need to do is give yourself rewards because this is your truckload of work, all right? I've just loaded you up with a truckload of work. Your brain responds to rewards. Rewards feel good. They reinforce the behavior you, you want. It doesn't have to be chocolate movies or a trip overseas. In fact, it's better if it's not. Get in the habit of giving yourself a small reward and this is the reward that I want you to give yourself. And it's an amazing feeling, the joy of proficiency. When I play the piano, I feel good because I am good at something. It feels good to become better at something. Think of what you are good at and it'll make you feel good. And yeah, I know a lot of people will go, well, I'm not good at anything, but actually you are already good at listening to a podcast and good at taking this on board and moving with it. And I would just have to say that you're probably being too hard on yourself. You probably are good at a good many things.
But here's the thing. The joy of proficiency is your new thoughts make you feel better. Think, I'm a no good lousy loser over and over and see how good that feel. Now try, I'm actually beginning to believe that I could be a winner sometimes. Think that one over and over. Notice your feelings. Which one feels better? Obviously, it feels better to begin to believe that you can be a winner. And good feelings reinforce good thinking. That's why you got this podcast in the first place. So you've got to put in the effort. Then you have growing proficiency. That feels good. And guess what? Your brain is happy to put in more effort. And feeling good is the best reward you can give your brain. If that's a bit difficult, then think about how good it'll feel when your thoughts are actually good. This is what I call borrowing from the future, and you can feel good about it now. Write out this statement. I will feel great when my thoughts are useful. Write a mini essay on this. Think about that. Think about how good it is to feel good when you have good thoughts. That will be your reward. All right, thanks for hanging through all of this because this was a big one. So I'm just going to go over things really quickly in a nutshell. This was based on neuroplasticity, the brain's ability to change itself. And we are remembering that new thoughts need new brain pathways. Here are the principles, learning and practice, rewards, use it or lose it, what fires together, wires together, and neurons out of sync fail to link. So, To put this into practice, you need to know your useless thoughts, use the knack, develop new useful thoughts and develop steps to get there, and practice methodically. To develop the new useless thoughts, here are the four methods. You build a road using qualifiers, using conditional phrases, using thought chains, and by pondering associated thoughts. And then you've got to practice methodically. Plan, have a dedicated practice time, practice during idle time, and reward yourself, particularly by borrowing from good feelings from the future. All right, complex one, but I've got to tell you, if you have stubborn, useless thoughts, this is the way to work on them. It takes effort, but your effort will be rewarded by useful thoughts, and that's what we all want. Thank you so much for listening. That was podcast nine in the series, Overcome Negative Thoughts, Overcome Useless Thoughts. New thoughts need new brain pathways. This was steeped in neuroplasticity. Learn and practice, use rewards, use it or lose it, what fires together, wires together, and neurons out of sync fail to link. Remember, if you like these podcasts, please subscribe, spread the word and recommend them to others. And do remember to catch us on Thursday nights for Late Night Lies. This has been Dr. Caroline and Dr. Christian Heim. We're on the home stretch. See you for part 10, which Christian tells me will be much more relaxing. See you then.